0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. If you have any questions, 314, or if you have any comments or anything else, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Every Saturday morning we get together. What are you doing, Brian? Trying to steal some of my stuff? I'm, g- I'm borrowing some of your spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I thought you were lactose intolerant. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just intolerant of <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, if you'd like to talk about your house plants, your landscape, your garden, your lawn, potting mixes, soil improvement, pruning bugs, diseases, planting removals, best choices. Please remember my words are strictly at open opportunities, then afterwards it's effort on your part. Mental and physical both. This is a great marathon we call gardening. It's never a sprint, or if it is a sprint, the sprint is going to be very quick here and gone. This is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. Thanks to Brian Kroc. I haven't seen him for months. He's producing today, and... Uh, If you do have questions or comments, he is the one that will answer the phone. So all you have to do is call, give him your name and where you're calling from, and that'll be pretty much it. He'll put it up on the computer screen for me. And uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books two are currently available in various locations. And also I write now articles for Missouri Gardener, and that's Missouri's own guide to great gardening and landscaping. So um, I have um, just—it's not a fairly short article. Actually, I'm on the last page. I can't believe that. I think I deserve to be on a page before the last page. Maybe that's very dramatic. Anyway, during the week, I do landscape consulting. So if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, www.mikemillardesigns.com, the home page. That's where my email address is, as well as my phone number, where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It was a perfectly blue sky this morning. I did not see any kind of clouds anywhere at all. Flags were moving gracefully. As I went into the building here at KMOX, which is on Olive, the start That's one, two, three, four race numbers. And there was orange cones and silver barricades. There was a golf cart, an easy go with number two, Mindy Hyde. And it turns out, I found out later on, that Mindy Hyde is actually the chairperson of the Coleman Race for the Cure. A lady went by me in a wheelchair as she glides by and asks, where do you check in? And the registration is just down that way a little bit. Somebody pointed out to her. And, uh, there was all kinds of pink balloons everywhere. There was an, actually an archway of pink balloons. The white clover is carpeting the grounds in all the parks. So that's in the mature trees, really offering some nice, graceful movement as the breeze blows as well. So they reach out to each other. We're at the corner basically of pine, chestnut, tucker. And this is the 19th annual Coleman Race for the Cure. And our Tom Ackerman was orchestrating all kinds of things as I was making my notes and walking around. So he was uh, there very uh, you know, bold and uh, getting the information out. There's uh, planters you know, that the city does with young oleanders, petunias, sweet potato vines, coleus, hanging baskets with smaller petunias, and um, there's all kinds of things. Somebody did a great job with chalk drawing the pink ribbons on the roadway. So that was kind of neat. There's a huge American flag supported by the St. Louis Fire Department trucks E-14 and T-14. There's samples of food. There's beads, colorful beads, pink, and with medallions on them being given away by SSM Health. Dogs with their hair dyed pink. Some pink balloons escape to freedom as they go high into the sky. Tutus, people are wearing them all over the place feather pom-poms as well t-shirt colors range from green to blue to white to lime green to purple to red to whoa 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 there's ton- there's numbers of racers or participants as low as like double digits i think i think i saw somebody with double digits but then it goes up into the thousands so you know from double digits all the way up to four digits People of all ages were here. There was 250 teams participating. Each you know team, some of them are relatively small, some of them are huge. The activities will continue, and as the races and walks and everything, all providing support for the Coleman race for the cure. So anyway, that's a good gardening stroll today. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: Folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Brian will answer your phone calls and get you on the computer. Uh, By the way, it has been quite dry And we did have that one rain that just poured for like a relatively short period of time. I don't know if it happened in your area or not. But uh, get those irrigation systems, get those sprinklers, soaker hoses, and everything else out because it's not only the temperature-wise it's important. Humidity is low, and the breeze is going to dry out plant material, especially newly installed stuff, or even your lawns can start showing signs of drought stress. So once something gets under a stress circumstance – Then it's just more prone to problems. Another thing I want to mention, too, is don't cut your grass so short. Don't scalp it. Don't give it a crew cut. Why? They say, well, I do that because of blah, blah, blah. Well, if you do that, what you do, you're reducing the size of the grass blade. And the grass blade is just like a leaf on a tree or any other plant. So the grass blade takes the nutrients and moisture that the root system absorbs it goes up into the grass blade and consequently it uses sunlight to create chlorophyll, which is food. That's how your lawn stays healthy. That's how it battles all these crazy diseases potentially that there may be out there, you know, in your lawn. So let your grass grow a little bit longer, three or three and a half inches. There's no problem doing that. That's not really gonna cause fungus problems or anything else. So don't Cut your grass so short. If you cut it short, you're just opening the opportunities for weeds to be invasive because the weeds, they don't care. They can grow in between cracks in the roads, cracks in the highways, cracks anywhere. It doesn't matter to them. So let's go now to Ellisville, where I spent most of my childhood, or I guess most of all my childhood, uh, and talk to Dorothy. Dorothy, how are you today? Dorothy, are you there? Yes, yes. Go ahead. Uh,
0: I have two problems. Uh, we planted a dogwood in the fall and it came out, but half is dead and half is living. What do I do with the dead part? Cut it
2: off. Cut it off? Yeah, it's not going to, if it hasn't pushed out any new foliage or anything at all, it's not going to do it after this point. So, and fall, actually, you know, most of the time I recommend planting in the fall, but things like dogwoods really do better if you plant them in the spring, sometime uh, as soon as they become available at the garden centers. Well, it's going to look awful with just half of a tree. Well, I mean, you have no other option other than just getting rid of the whole thing and getting a whole new one. Okay. I mean, my, you can leave those dead branches. I don't care.
0: Okay. My other problem is I have fungus in my zoysia. Is there a treatment for
2: this? Yeah. Just get a hold of, go to your favorite garden center, tell them you have zoysia fungus, and then let them recommend whatever product they happen to have. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, and stay loyal to it. And with the zoysia, make sure that you dethatch, you rate, you know, spread the compost, all that stuff, because it's really crucial. And then also, this is a time of year when zoysia needs to be fed. Now, if it's under stress with fungus, you don't want to feed it. But this is just for the other people that are listening that happen to have zoysia. So good luck with that. Yeah, zoysia and fungus, that's a bad, bad situation. Let's stay in West County and go to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann.
0: Uh, yes, Mike. I have violets in my yard this year for the first time. How do I get rid of them? I've heard if you pull them out, they multiply. Is
2: that Uh, true? Well, that's not totally true, but pulling them out, if they're small, I would go ahead and pull them out. I mean, it could take a long time. I don't know how many you have. But any kind of broadleaf weed killer, like a weed-be-gone type thing, And especially spray them while they're young and small because that's really when you're going to be able to get them under control using an herbicide. More so than as they get bigger and bigger and bigger and later in the season, they get like a waxy cuticle on the surface Mm -hmm. to prevent them from sunburning. Then the herbicides don't soak in so well. So step on them a little bit then spray like a weed-be-gone in, onto them. If these are in right. lawn, now if they're in bed spaces with... No, you know, they're other, just
0: on the lawn. Okay, so, only on the lawn.
2: Yeah, so like a weed-be-gone type product. It doesn't have to be that one specifically, but something along those lines.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a brutal battle. Once well, you get I know, it.
0: and I've never had them before, and all oh. of a sudden I have them this year, and I'm like, what's all this about? <laughs> um, and I, I, I didn't want to pull them out if, they, if that was going to be detrimental to, um, if they were going to spread some more.
2: No, it doesn't right. really spread them, so you can okay. pull them if you only got a few, but if you want to okay. not pull, and because uh, so the reason why people say is, that okay. is because... The flower produces a seed, but also right when they get more mature, they have a seed pod that they produce right at virtually a ground level that you don't even see. So a lot of times later on in the season, if you pull them, that thing just releases a seed right into the hole where you just pull them out of. But early in the season, that's not going to happen.
0: If I'm doing it now, I can go ahead and pull them out too. Exactly. And, and right.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Lauren is lives in Waterloo, Illinois. Hi, Lauren. Or Laverne, sorry.
1: Good morning, Mike. Hi. This is Laverne. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a beautiful magnolia, and it is about four years old, and there's branches like when I planted it that are still at the bottom. Should that be trimmed, some of those,
2: and when? Uh, You don't need to prune them. Some people just like to limb up their trees because they want to run the mowers around the trees or whatever it happens to be, but it's not necessary. The tree is not going to be any healthier by cutting off or what we call in my industry, limbing up. So if you want to go ahead and remove some of the lower branches, do that, but make sure you make only leave a stub, of, a stub of about a quarter to a half inch. Don't just cut it back like and leave six or eight inches or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and is, uh, would it get any kind of bug or disease if it's close to the ground?
2: No. No more so, or that won't happen any more so than if it's higher up in the you know, because okay. diseases and bugs and all that other stuff they're all over the place. So okay. at ground level, it doesn't make that much difference.
1: Oh, thank you, Mike. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> they're great
2: they're trees. trees.
1: Yes, they are. They're beautiful. <laughs> yes. Thank you.
2: Yes, and uh, again, this is for anybody. You don't have to limit your tree, you know. And if hers has been in for a while, so that's good. But the first couple years, leave as many of the branches so you can get as many of the leaves coming out to make that food. So that what that does is the chlorophyll that's made by the leaf in the leaf, that's shared with all the other stems, leaves, branches, and root system, and that helps the root systems to get established. Let's go to Creve Core now and into Shirley's yard. Hi, Shirley. Hello. Hi. Uh,
0: I have a 55-year-old rhododendron. And its it's leaves are turning yellow, and it's got big black spots on it. What
1: have I done
2: wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. If you have a rhododendron that's 55 years old, that's got to be a state champion. I mean, that's unbelievable.
1: I have have three of them, and this is the only one that's doing that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, the discoloration on leaf is due to nutrients. So in other words, go to your favorite garden center and tell them that your the foliage on your rhododendron needs some iron sulfate. So in other words, iron
0: s- sulfate. Right. Okay. So the
2: sulfur changes the pH of your soil, makes it acidic. Then that makes it so the rhododendron can uptake the iron, and that's it's not going to happen instantaneously, but that'll be a slow process to get your leaves back to being green. Now the spots on it, who knows what that is? That could be hail. It could be anything. But uh, I wouldn't be overly concerned with the spots as much as I would this discoloration. unless you have so many spots on it like you're not, you're barely seeing any other color but the spots and then that's not a good sign that means that you know the rhododendron's headed downhill
1: I see okay I have another question okay. uh my I have a little rose bush that's got uh, something is eating it.
2: That little holes on it. Yeah, earlier on, there was all kinds of things, eating on the roses. But right now, all you need to do is go out and turn the leaf or the, the cluster leaves and look on the underside. See if you see any kind of little caterpillars or anything like that. If you do, then go ahead and spray an insecticide. Or if just as a preventative type thing, you can get a systemic type insecticide that you mix up with water, and you pour it around the root system, then it comes up inside the rose, and then if anything else feeds on it, then it's going to kill whatever's feeding.
1: I see something you, you put around the roots? It's something yes, you, right. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you very much. I look forward to you every week.
0: Well, thanks for having <laughs>
2: me on your show. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, if you have any questions or comments, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. We're almost at the end of spring. I think June 22nd starts summertime. So, but boy, these temperatures, I'm going to re emphasize this, they're starting to get up there, and you got a breezy day like this, lower humidity. Get your plants watered, especially things in containers, especially—well, I shouldn't say especially that. Anything, you should make sure they're watered. At least, you know, you can water them today or tomorrow, whenever you want to. But the next couple days can be brutal on plants that are recently installed, especially, and especially anything that was planted in the ground. So that's really very, very important to get moisture to them. Uh, Last week, a lady called about a diplodina, and I, you know, I answered a question, which was, Yeah, once it comes back inside, you got to blah, 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 put it in a very sunny window. She was glad about it. She'd never heard of it before. And uh, what the diplodina is, and I should have said that last week, is the mandevilla vine. So mandevilla vines, they, you know, they can grow inside. But for the most part, I would advise people to seriously, unless you really want to, you know, kind of a heartache with some... Mandevilla just, you know, by the time, <laughs> three or four months inside, even in a bright front of us, bright, sunny window, they don't, you know, they don't like it so well. So I would say Diplodina, Mandevilla vine, Mandevilla comes in pinks, reds. I think there's even a white one. And I've grown them off and on for a couple of years. I'm, I don't have any this year, but the Diplodina is another name for it. So I should have said that. But uh, let's go to the phones now. Let's go up to Godfrey, Illinois, and into Judy's yard. Hi, Judy.
0: Good morning. Um, we purchased two Norway spruce about 10 foot tall from a nursery about six weeks ago. One of them is doing great. The other one is the lead, the branches are like going toward the ground, and there's some brown inside. Do we have a big problem with those, do you think, or...
2: I would not think so. Um, the needles browning on the inside—that's going to happen. If you look at any conifer, they don't have any needles going all the way in. You know, from, they're virtually kind of the needles are only on the exterior part of the you know, of the tree or shrub. So okay. the fact that's happening now—if it's weeping, uh, you know, yeah. have you been watering it? Yes, my then husband. Don't you know, stop watering. Because it may be too much water. A lot of times, people think when things wilt, it needs water. But if it's been given too much water, then you add more water to it. You could be it could be drowning. So- but
0: we're do we have two of them, and he's doing the same thing to both of them. And one of them actually, when we got the first one, um, the bottom limbs were drooping, mm. and um, it was when we had all that rain, and mm-hmm. it. Leaned, so we had them come back out and straighten it they did that and since then it's when it's been really you know like the whole thing almost all the the branches are drooping
2: yeah that's not a good sign so whether it's through root rot or whatever you know whatever the circumstances whenever you have a conifer they don't really like it here unless it's a cedar slash juniper Uh, They should be planted where the top of the root ball, at least 10 to 15 to 20 percent, is above the surrounding ground. So it it shouldn't be in a spot where water sets or settles or anything else. And if ones you've had good luck with and the other one, even when you first got it, didn't look good, that's not good.
0: Yeah, we got them both at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I have called them and they're supposed to come out and look at it, but I just wanted another opinion. Yeah. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. And uh, just you know, I would back off on the watering, even if you've been watering both the same and everything else, okay. because okay. you got to let that you know the soil dry out, and hopefully they install it correctly. A ten foot high, you know, Norway spruce—that's a big tree.
0: Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah. So yeah. it's a little disappointing if you're not going to get what you anticipate exactly <laughs> okay thank you sure and now let's go to highland illinois and talk with doug doug how are you today
1: good morning uh two questions one is uh i have uh, uh english ivy ivy going up uh, a couple of oak trees mm-hmm. and it's going up by about 20 30 feet up But at the base uh around the tree there's so many weeds coming up through it it used to be beautiful before all the weeds started seeping up around the base Is there anything I can spray on to kill the weeds, but not the ivy?
2: What kind of weeds are these? Are these grassy weeds, or are they broadleaf weeds? So I would say
1: a little bit of both. I know there's poison oak in there, and there's like a... uh, I wish I could tell you what type of weeds they are. Just regular weeds, uh, I wouldn't know.
2: (laughs) But the grassy weeds, you can get something like called a grass killer. Now, you can spray that on. Make sure you read the label, though, as far as related to temperatures and all that other stuff. It will kill the grass. But the broadleaf stuff, there's really nothing that you can go and spray that won't impact your ivy. So what's the the other option is? I don't know how much how many weeds there are of the broadleaf type. So you're killing the grassy type with the grass killer, and it won't impact. Don't you know it has to say grass killer on it. The other one you might have to take something like Roundup and just paint it on the weedy leaves and try to kill them that way.
1: Okay. But there's nothing
2: that's going to be selective enough to, you know, say, oh, this is ivy, I'm going to leave that alone, and you're a weed, I'm going to try to kill you.
1: So, well, basically, when you're saying uh, uh, the difference between a broadleaf and a grass, I mean, it's actually, when you're saying grass, you're, you're saying grass coming through it? Yeah. No, it's just more broadleaf. Okay, no, so then,
2: leaves. basically, you're just going to have to, you know, be really careful and crush, the, you know, wear a pair of gloves, crush the weed leaves, and then paint Roundup right onto to it right after that.
1: Okay, I can do that. All right, my second question is about uh, tomatoes again. But uh, not I won't even say about tomatoes. It's about, I had my ground tested, and I had a, uh, they said that I had a, my pH was at 9.3. Yikes. Yeah. Well, years ago they burned a lot of uh, trees on the, in that area, so it has to be ash and all that. But I uh, I found out sulfur is what I need, right. and I'm putting sulfur on it, and uh I put a large dose I don't know. I guess I have to have it tested every now and then. But uh, can you apply sulfur between, like, I've got a lot of tomatoes and other plants in there in the rows as a second application? Will the sulfur kill my garden plants?
2: No, it, sh- it shouldn't. But, you know, some of the you know some of your things, like, uh, tomatoes really like a higher pH. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't yes. necessarily want a nine point something, but just you have to be careful that you're not altering the pH too much in one well, big they, fail hey, swoop.
1: Uh, it should be six. Like a six point seven or, or something like that. Is yeah. that really
2: ideal? Right. Exactly. So slightly so, acidic, you know, to slightly alkaline, f- you know, for virtually for most vegetables.
1: So what I don't understand is how much sulfur do I put on to lower it just one degree? <laughs> you, it's just a hit and miss. Do you yeah, haven't.
2: Yeah, you're just going to have to. You know, wherever you get it, you're going to have to ask them. It's a very tough thing because, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different types of sulfur. There's liquid sulfur. There's, you know, sulfur that, uh, you know, is a granular type, powder type, all that, or a dry type. So it just depends upon what type. It's going to be a very difficult situation. You might go online and just look at, you know, lowering pH with sulfur and find out how much according to whatever product that you have that you need to put down and understand that if your pH is that high – it is going to take several years to finally get it down to, let's say, a more acceptable level.
1: Really? Okay. Yes.
2: It's not going to happen instantaneously by any means.
1: That's what I did read. And I, it's going to take, and they said to apply it about every three months. Right. I, I get that. So, I mean, that's why, I mean, my tomatoes and my, I mean, uh, they don't flourish like they used to. So uh, it's probably the high pH, you think?
2: It could certainly be that because high pH just means... The soil virtually can dehydrate the root system because the pH is so high, because it has you know, a chemical in it. Whatever that chemical is, whether it be ash from burning trees or anything else, mm-hmm. it's just drying out the root system.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. appreciate
2: it. Certainly. Mm. Bye. And thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, just remember that uh, weeds can be spread quite easily by you, your mowers, you're doing anything in the outdoors, on the bottom of your shoes, that kind of stuff. So just be really careful and understand. They get some weed seeds on the bottom, and uh, now you got the weeds more and more and more places. Also, this time of year, all the cool season weeds that germinated last August grew all through the wintertime, and uh, now the weather's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. They're going dormant. So if you start seeing some brown patches in your lawn, my and it looks like grass, only it has some like fuzzy seeds on top of it, that's probably annual bluegrass. That's going to die, but it's been dropping seeds, so... Next, mid to late August, you better start thinking about putting a pre-emergent down to get some of these weeds under control. Let's head to Aeoli. Is that how you pronounce it, Brian? (laughs) And go into Hetty's yard. Hetty, how are you? I'm fine. It's Aeolia. Oh, Aeolia. Sorry. Right. Um, We're getting ready to do
0: some new planting um, around our house, and I was wondering about organic mulch versus rock around the plantings
2: if the soils prepared it doesn't really matter So in other words, adding organic matter to the soil, making sure that you understand that whatever plants you're putting there, if they like an acidic soil, the foundation of your house is going to make the soil a little bit alkaline over time. So, you know, keeping all that in mind, but it doesn't matter if you prefer some things. Yes, it will matter a little bit because the rocks have a tendency to reflect a lot of heat. And so if things are a little bit tender, you know, from that standpoint, if it's in the full sun, just make sure the plants that you're using can take, the, you know, the extra heat, the heat reflecting off your house, the heat reflecting up from the rock. So putting, let's say, an organic bark-type mulch, that just, you know, reduces the, let's say, the heat factor a little bit. The soil temperature is not really going to change that much, whether it's rock or, you know, or bark. But just the reflective oh, heat on the leaves, that's where the problem would come in. Leaves or needles.
0: Would that require then more watering uh,
2: if uh, you use rock? Not necessarily. Once you know, Initially, you're going to have to water more, yes. Especially if you're planting this time of year. This is not the ideal time of year to be planting. Because, I mean, summer is the most stressful time of year for the majority of new installations, if not all new installations. So if you could possibly wait, get your soil prepared, and then plan on installing the plant materials sometime after mid to late August, that would be the better time to do it. If you can't do that, then just go ahead and just watch them really closely. Don't overwater because you could cause more problems by overwatering. So whoever you know you get the plants from, if you're going to do the installation or they are, just make sure that you understand completely that the soil needs to be prepared before the new plants are installed. And then how, ask the installing company person, you know, how often they recommend that you do uh, do some watering.
0: Preparing the soil, you mean uh, by killing it or getting it worked
2: up? Yeah. With some firstly, Yeah, killing anything in there that you don't want or digging it up and moving it to a new location and then adding organic matter like compost to the ground. And right. mixing it in with the existing stuff. Just don't layer it on top.
0: Right. Just mix it in. Make sure it's mixed in with
2: what's there. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. And, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, the reflective heat, uh, you know, could be brutal, but, uh, you know, choose your plants carefully, and then it could, they should be able to handle it. Let's go to Bruce, and Bruce lives in Florissant. Hi, Bruce.
1: Well, good morning, Mike. Hi. I hope that your day's off to a good start. Yes. Uh, We ended up having some tree damage in recent storms, and we ended up having a tree service come out and took care of it. That was all done very well, and everything's taken care of. But unfortunately, with the equipment that went across the yard, we've got ruts. And so, as it turns out, I'm going to end up getting some compost and topsoil mix, and I'll fill those ruts, put some grass seed on it, keep my fingers crossed. Right. Uh, My question to you is, do you think that I need to get a weed eater and get out there and, and cut out the grass that's in those ruts or just put the dirt down on top of it?
2: You need to mix any kind of, let's say, Amending soil or topsoil, compost, whatever mixture that you're having, you need to mix it with the existing soil. Just don't fill in the ruts. So, in other words, that's what you got to do.
1: Okay. All right. Well, very good. I appreciate your advice and I hope that you have a good day. Yeah,
2: you do the very same thing. And yeah, I mean, if you have, you know, if you know there's going to be a lot of weeds in there because you've seen them, just, you know, get the weeds, control the weeds before you add, you know, the amendments to the soil and mix it in with the existing soil. So, now let's go to Sue. Sue is from St. Louis. Hi, Sue. Hi, good morning. Hi. How are you? Very good. Good.
0: Okay. I inherited or moved into a house in April, a little after too late for pre-emergent and the weeds were already well on their way. Right. Um, a reputable Garden Shop gave me a weed killer to start with. Killed all the weeds and now big brown spots. I have seeded and topsoil, watered at 5.30 in the morning for 30 minutes, and I can't get anything
2: going. Well, first of all, did you rake the areas that were brown up? I did. Okay, so I, then... And then you really, I mean, you can add stuff to the soil, but just to layer it on top is not the ideal thing because the ground is probably very heavy, you know, heavy, regular kind of clay stuff. And a new grass, you know, for the root system to be able to penetrate through that surface is going to be tough. So you really have to turn the soil over, either with a shovel okay. or a little rototiller or something along that line.
0: Okay, here's my next question. For the areas where I do have a little grass, because I did the weed killing and then the seeding right is it too late to put any kind of fertilizer out there
2: what kind of grass seed is it well the seed was tall fescue yeah it's too late that's a cool season grass it does not want to be fertilized in the heat of the summertime that's the worst thing you can possibly do so you're just going to have to hold off until mid to late august that's when you're going to do the fall fertilizing for whether it's bluegrass or tall fescues Okay, all right, thanks a lot, Mike. yeah, so I mean, you just cause a real, real nightmare, yeah, it's a really kind of a you know a, you know a little disappointing when you get there and you, all of a sudden you realize how many actual weeds there are, I sort of when Tracy and I moved to the house in South City, we inherited a weed farm. There was hardly any grass at all. There was nutgrass. There was everything that you just don't want. And for the you know, with pre-emergence, I've been using. With digging, I've been using. With like a weed be gone, I've been using. With nutgrass killer, nutgrass beater, I've been using. So that's really important. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy